<laughs> get in, get your money, and get out. That is how most of us view living and working in Dubai. Get the most out of this place in the least possible time and get out. Or secure the bag at whatever cost. Or what's in it for me? How many of us have peace about what we have earned? Or what we did to have earned it? I could stand here and act all self-righteous. Oh, poor me, I was conned when I was a teenager. But it was my greed that actually allowed me to get conned. It was my wanting more for less, wanting what I hadn't worked for, that caused me to be in that situation. I met a congregant once who had just quit her job because she was not comfortable with the ethics of the organization she was working for. And the longer she worked there, the more she found out and the harder it was for her to accept a paycheck at the end of every single month knowing what she knew about that organization. There is great joy in working hard and earning an honest living. There is also great pain in working hard and not getting paid what you were promised or what you were owed. Therefore, James, the brother of Jesus, writes this. He says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which, kept you back, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. So please... Do not withhold paying your stuff. And that is a message that James is trying to communicate to those who have the ability to pay their workers and do not. For there is great joy in earning and receiving the fruit of your labor. As we do something useful with our hands, we are able to earn and not to be a burden on others. Also, it enables us to share with those in need. In working, not only do we earn, but it also allows us to enjoy life. It allows us not to be a burden on others, but also to enjoy life. And I need to clarify, though, this does not mean that by supporting those who do not have, that they are a burden. Or if you have fallen on hard times, that you are a burden, and we will cover that a bit later. First, though, let us look at what Scripture has to say about earning and earn, working and earning a living, getting the fruit of your labor. You will find that Scripture is extremely clear when it comes to those uh, who are earning a dishonest living. And by implication, it gives us a good template for us understanding why we earn. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. He says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let us pray. Dear Father, I pray that as we open your word today, that we will get to hear from you and we will get to learn. Lord, I pray that you will prepare our hearts to receive what you are teaching us today and give us the courage to obey what we learn and to do what we learn, Lord. Let us also be doers of your word. Lord, I also pray for myself that you'd give me the courage to step out of the way 
and allow your Holy Spirit to minister to your people for your glory and our joy in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The language Paul uses in Ephesians is very strong. He's not just saying that if you used to steal, that now you should just work. But he uses a different word, a word that translates into three different words. He actually says, let him labor. Let him labor literally means to exert oneself to the point of exhaustion. This is a kind of heart or working heart that God commands those who used to earn a dishonest living to have. The idea that Paul is giving, he's saying that if you used to earn your living dishonestly, now that you know Jesus Christ, you need to work Get weary, grow weary, grow tired, grow exhausted with the burden of your toil, to labor with wearisome effort, to toil of bodily labor, to work extra hard because you earned a living dishonestly. Now that you are in Christ, you have to work extra, extra hard. And we see the perfect example of this when we see Zacchaeus have an encounter with Jesus. He, he comes to the realization that his salvation does not come by the wealth he has uh, accumulated, but through Jesus Christ. And so we read him saying this, Luke chapter 19, verse 8 and 10, he says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it to them fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In Jesus saying salvation has come to this man's house, it could be mistaken for a second that Zacchaeus had worked or had been saved by his works that he had actually paid for his salvation. But on the contrary, we see Jesus here acknowledging that this giving that Zacchaeus did was a sign of repentance and restitution. Zacchaeus was essentially saying in the presence of all, everyone who could hear him, that this, his greed and desire for more was no longer Lord over his life. He was saying that he did not only wish to repent, but also to make right. And judging by the number of people grumbling there, we could deduce that the list of the people he had defrauded was not a short list. And he promises that he will restore it unto them fourfold. It wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be hard work for Zacchaeus to do. But let us get back to what Paul says in Ephesians. Paul says, let the thief no longer steal. But rather, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with those in need. First of all, Paul wants us to understand something that we have talked throughout this series. It's not all work is legitimate, i.e. stealing, stealing, for example, or, or defrauding people. That's not legitimate work. Not all work is legitimate, and God does not bless all the work that we do. When it is not legitimate, he will not bless that. He also says um, everyone must work. It's not an option that we should all work. And then he says doing something honest working with our own hands, something that adds value to the world that we live in. And then he says, all this results in us being able to share with those in need. The fruit of our work means that we get to bless others. Paul's idea is that we should work so that we can give. The purpose of getting, therefore, becomes giving. The purpose of receiving, therefore, becomes sharing. Sharing with yourself, sharing with your family, sharing with the poor, and sharing with the church. 
And so let us look at those categories that I've just mentioned. The first one is sharing with yourself, sharing with oneself what you have earned from the fruit of your labor, caring for yourself. This is what Paul writes in, in another letter to Thessalonians. He says, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Those words are harsh. They sound extremely, extremely harsh. Until you realize that Paul is talking about himself and the people he was with. He's actually telling the Thessalonians, this is, this is what happens when I was with you. When I was with you, this is the example we set for you. We set an example for you that, one, you should keep away from those who are idle. We were not idle when we were with you. We worked really hard. We did not eat anything, whether it was bread or anything else, without paying for it. We worked with toil and labored day and night so that whatever we used, we actually paid for. We did not take anything for free and we gave you an example to imitate. And even amongst us, the rule was if anyone we came with did not work, they should not have eaten. Paul is saying to them, this is the example we have set that even when we were among you, if any of us was not willing to work, they should have gone without food. Notice the words he uses, though. He says, he does not say that anyone who is unable to work, he actually says anyone who is not willing to work. There are those of us here who would love to work, and they are looking and they are struggling to get jobs. They have tried everything, applied everywhere, gone for every single interview they could, but they are not just getting what they need right now. You are not lazy, you're just willing to work, but you're not able to work right now. And we understand that and we sympathize with you here at Fellowship. And what we've done is we've created a course called Job Seekers. And it's a wonderful course. It is offered every single season of Equip. And sometimes it's offered more than once. It gives you the opportunity not only to learn how the job market in the UAE is, but also gives you the skills for interviews and such, how to, how to write your resume better. And also it offers you a, a community of people who are going through the same season you are in to journey with you through that as you wait for the on the Lord for work. Gives you an opportunity to have others who will not only encourage you, but pray with you. Then the course is available. What you need to do is just scan the QR code uh, or go to the website, fellowshipdubai.com forward slash equip. Fill out that form uh, and just say, hey, I'm interested in the job seekers course and someone will get back to you. Paul is saying that there is a big difference here. One suggests the ability to work, but a lack of desire or desire to work. In essence, Paul is saying that those who are lazy should not eat. And that's the example he gives us. It is in the same letter to Thessalonians that, that Paul offers this other advice. He says, now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you were doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we have instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Remember, Paul is actually writing to believers in Thessalonica. And he is reminding them that working diligently is a great witness of our faith. 
Lazy Christians are a bad witness for Jesus in the presence of outsiders. When people know that you are a follower of Jesus and they see you being lazy at your workplace, just coasting by work, it becomes a bad witness for the Lord and Savior who saved you. Secondly, he gives them this idea that we work so that we do not have to rely on others. It is not loving to live your life assuming that others will care and provide for you. However, we have to remember that working is not just so that we cannot be a burden on people, but also for you to enjoy the fruit of your labor. In, in my tribe we say, beat sorry for your body. It doesn't translate well to English. Uh, <laughs> another way of saying it is maybe say sorry to your body. It's like saying, oh, I'm so sorry. The idea is you've worked hard. Enjoy the reward of your work. You worked hard and toiled in the sun. Do not eat in the sun also. Go to the shade and eat your meal there. Cover yourself with soft fabrics every once in a while. You can see a picture of my countrymen and my tribesmen, how they choose to reward themselves. Um, and this is what Paul says later to, to Timothy. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. It also follows and it also works that as for the poor in this present age, please do not be proud in your humility. Do not set your piety on the circumstances of your poverty, but on God who provides us with everything to enjoy. We serve a God who is not opposed to you enjoying life. Sometimes some of us feel guilty for taking time off and enjoying the fruit of our labor. It is not a sin to have nice things. The sin comes when those things we think we own actually own us. You work hard. Workers should be able to enjoy the fruit of their labor. In other words, buy salmon every once in a while. <laughs> it's okay, don't just pass through that area so quickly. Next time, just pass close by and buy salmon. And say, Pastor Barak said it's okay. <laughs> But also, don't go into debt eating salmon. Just remind yourself, it's important for you to hit the refresh button every once in a while. Work allows us the privilege of being independent. Work allows us the privilege of enjoying life. Work allows us the joy of supporting others. So we've talked about how you get to support yourself, but secondly, you get to support others. And the others I'm talking about are, for example, your family. There are many of us who moved to the UAE and to Dubai in order to support family back home. For some, it is a burden. For others, it is a joy. And for others, they do not even understand why you would send money back home, why you would line up at an exchange house every single month to send money back home. Paul writes in his letter to Timothy, and he says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Pastor Ray mentioned this a while back and I want to repeat it again. I honor those at fellowship who not only care for their family in the UAE but also send money to their relatives in their home countries. Well done. 
What shame it is when followers of Jesus fail to care for their own when they have been given so much by God. If you are able to provide for your family, for your children, whether they live with you or not, if you can support your relatives who cannot pay school fees, pay it for them. If you are able to do it, go ahead and do it. Also, do not place yourself in a position where by supporting those at home, your family here is not getting enough. Be wise in how you support others. Also, do not get lost in beating sorry for your body that you enter into debt and put your family in a difficult position. Watch your greed and the habits that steal from your children's plates. Watch out for expensive hobbies or living beyond your means or buying an expensive car and having nowhere to park it. (laughs) For some of us, though, we may have made financial decisions. Maybe at the time we thought it was a good financial decision, or maybe it was just a bad decision, and, and you found yourself digging yourself deeper and deeper into debt. And because of that, you're not able to care for your loved ones. And again, fellowship, we care for you. We, we do not want to say, oh, poor you. I'm so sorry for that. What we have done is we've created financial literacy courses that, that help you figure out your journey and carve out a path out of debt. And again, the QR code is on the screen. Just take a screenshot of it or even just go to the website and fill out your details and just say, hey, I'm in that situation and I need those courses that Pastor Barak was talking about. And someone will get back to you. So we've talked about how not only do you care for yourself, but also you get the opportunity to care for your family. And now let's talk about how you get the opportunity through your fruit to to, to care for those who are poor, especially those who are poor in the household of God. I, I genuinely believe it is impossible to love Jesus and ignore the poor, especially the Christian poor. Jesus said that when you feed and clothe the the least of my brothers, you do it for me. Let us look at that passage particularly when he says that. It's Matthew 25, 34 to 40. And this is what the word of God said. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did it to, the one of the, to, to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. John, one of the disciples of Jesus, writes in a different letter. He, he asks a particular interesting question because it, it helps us to put and frame it into, into a way we can understand it even better. He says, if someone says they, they love God but hates his brother, he is a liar because he can see his brother but he hates him. So he cannot love God whom he has never seen. Essentially, if you say you love the Lord and you see brokenness in the world, you see someone else suffering and you walk away from 
from it without doing anything about it. How dare you say you love God whom you've never seen and you see a brother in trouble and you ignore it. If you see the hungry, feed them. If you see the naked, clothe them. A practical example is given in the book of Corinthians in a description of how the Macedonian Christians responded when they heard that their Jewish Christians were suffering in a famine. This is what Paul writes and says, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of their joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this... Not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And this is what Paul is describing about the Macedonian Christians. He's saying they gave in the midst of a very severe trial. It's not that they had so much to give. They were also going through a difficult time, but they gave. They gave out of extreme poverty. They were not the wealthiest of people, but they still chose to give. They gave with overflowing joy. They gave a lot. It welled up in rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able to and then they gave beyond their ability. Then they gave willingly entirely on their own. Then they begged to give and they saw it a privilege in sharing in this service to the Lord's people and they exceeded their apostles' expectations. From such extreme poverty and suffering came such unexpected and radical generosity with unbelievable joy. Most people beg for money. The Macedonian Christians were begging to give money away, to give and to bless. By saying this, you could be sitting there thinking, well, Barak, I would love to give, but how do I know when I have given enough? Or, or how do I know how much to give? Allow me to answer that question by asking a different question. And while I'd like to say that I came up with that question, I did not. Um, I got it from a book, and I would really like to recommend this book. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. It's based on a lot of research that, that a group of people did when they were trying to figure out what it means to be faithful stewards of what God has blessed us with. The book is called God and Money by John Cortinez and Gregory Bauman, and, and they were researching what it means to, to give and how much to give and, and all that, and this is what they write when they get to this conclusion. They say, write, throughout our research, we had been pursuing the question of how how to manage our wealth in a godly way, with a specific focus on how much we should give. It finally dawned on us that we were thinking about the question backward. A faithful reading of scripture leads not to the question, how much should I give? Rather, it leads to the question, how much do I need to keep? Now, what they found was essentially the question they were asking, should I give 10% or should I give 5% or should I give 2%? What percentage of my earnings should I give? And they figured out that they were actually looking at it differently. And so they, they put a system in their family where they said, what we will do first is take care of the needs of the family. Oh, we need to pay rent, let's do that. We need to save, let's do that. We need to do all these things, let's do what we need to do. And whatever is left as a surplus, that is what we will give. And what they found later was when they did that faithfully, it wasn't about 10% or 20%. Sometimes it was even more than 50% of their earning, but they gave out of, oh, we already have what we need and everything else we are giving. Now, we've talked about how you give to yourself. 
We've talked about how you give to your family. We've talked about how you give to the poor. Fourth, I'd like us to talk about how you gave to church workers as well. I know for someone here, the moment I mentioned church workers, you said, there it is. I know this one. I knew it. <laughs> I knew the only reason they talk about money in church is so that they can line their own pocket. I know this one. This one I know. I know. I knew it. <laughs> Unfortunately, there have been many instances of church finances being used for the personal gains of church leaders. That has happened. And there have been many instances of abuse. And maybe some of you here are still recovering from such abuse. Let me just say it is immoral and completely dishonors God to take advantage of his people and to abuse the vulnerable under the guise of give and it will come back to you. When you sow a seed, you will get more. Give so that you can get. The Lord does not take lightly the abuse of his children, neither does he take lightly to those who twist scripture for their own benefit. On the other hand, scripture is extremely clear and teaches that if you are in a church that nourishes and teaches the truth without deviating from it in any way, this is what the Word of God says in Galatians. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the world, in the Word, should share all good things with their instructor. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 to 18, he says, let the elders who rule be well considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scriptures say, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. On two occasions, Paul quotes Deuteronomy 25 to make this point. He says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out grain. The idea of muzzling an ox is covering the oxen's mouth so that it's not able to eat as it is working. It is, it is a horrible thing to do. In the same way, let the church stuff eat from their church work. Paul repeats the imagery of oxen again in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. He says, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not speak certainly for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in the hope of sharing in the crop. His hope is that we would notice that it is not about oxen but about human beings and also it's not about riches, it's actually about sharing. Watch out therefore for that part of you and even for me, for that part of me that yes, is generous but is even rebellious in my generosity, where we want to give to the things that only interest us, but neglect the ministry that feeds us and our family through the, through the word of God. So maybe you give to your favorite cause and every social justice need except the local church, and in doing so, yes, you may be being generous, but not following what scripture teaches. Paul concludes that passage with saying, in the same way, verse 14, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Paul encourages us as a church to enable those who proclaim the gospel to earn their living by the gospel as well. I have a friend who comes to fellowship and he was considering leaving his well-paying job to work for a church. He felt God was leading him to serve and he wanted to obey God. 
one of his biggest concerns as he was making this decision was his consideration about his salary. Let me clarify that a bit. You see, from his well-paying job, he had actually dedicated a big portion of his salary to supporting ministries. And, and, and he was afraid that by resigning from that job and switching to work at a church, that he would no longer be able to support that particular ministry that he was supporting because his salary, he was expecting a significant drop in earning. And he was worried for them. And so he called them to have a difficult conversation with them. And, 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 and as they listened to him, they told him, brother, we are thankful that you are following God's leading. And we are thankful for all the support that you have given through the years. But God will continue to provide for us. The same way he laid it in your heart to provide for us, he will lay it on someone else's heart. But also we are praying for you that God will lay it on other people's hearts to provide for you as well. There is, this is someone here in our church who had a Macedonian perception to what it means to enjoy the fruit of your labor. He did not view his giving to this ministry only as generosity. He viewed it as a responsibility. So much so that when he considered there was going to be a change in his income, he thought it wise to have a conversation with them to tell them, prepare because things are going to change. He knew that he was not only being obedient to God in giving, he was also being obedient to God in allowing those who work for the gospel to be able to work for the Lord without them worrying about finances and bills. When we work, we get the opportunity to enjoy not only what we do, but also to enjoy what we earn from what we've gotten. We desire to be like God in our work, to honor him with our work, and to work as unto the Lord. It only therefore makes sense that we should also seek to be like God in what we do with the fruit of our work. We work to bless ourselves, to bless our family, to bless the poor and, and our local church workers and those who take the gospel to the enriched. Let us not only seek to glorify God in how we work, but also let us seek to glorify God in how we spend what we have earned from our work. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity you've given each and every one of us to work. Thank you for the work that we have been able to do and thank you, Lord, for, for the earning that we get from the work we do. Lord, I pray that you will give us uh, a stewardship heart and a stewardship approach to what we earn. That, Lord, we will choose to honor you with every single thing that we earn for your glory, Lord. That it shall not become that which that owns us, but instead it shall be a resource for your glory. Lord, I want to pray for, for two groups of people here today, Lord. I want to pray for, for those who are amongst us, Lord, who do not have a job and have been unable to get a job, Lord. And I pray, Father, that they, as, as they listen to this message and as they listen to the joy of having fruit of labor, Lord, I pray that they will experience that joy in the coming months, Lord, that they will be able to earn, to, to earn a living and to have something for themselves, Lord, from the work they have done with their hands. Lord, I pray that you will grant them favor and open new doors for them, for everyone who's seeking out a job. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would open those doors. Lord, I pray that you would raise employers from this congregation, Lord, so that others could get jobs from, from people who understand what it means to honor you through work. 
Lord, I want to pray for a second group of people here who maybe, Lord, they've not earned a living because their employers are withholding their pay or they're not able to pay them right now. Lord, I pray that you would turn that situation for your glory and honor, dear Father. I pray, Father, that you yourself would intervene in those situations, Lord. Turn the hearts of those employers who are refusing to pay. Lord, if it's a business that, going, that is going through a difficult time, Lord, I pray that you, through your favor, would open ways for them to earn so that they can pay their laborers. Lord, I pray that this will happen for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. May God bless you.